Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hi, guys. I'm laying in my bed post-shower, hair wet, in a robe, talking freely to you all. I haven't done a solo episode in a while, and I know I do like the ends of episodes that are solo portions, although I honestly haven't been doing them recently because the episodes, the interviews themselves have been pretty lengthy. And I don't want to give you like an hour and a half podcast because let's be real, who has time to listen to something like that? And who, I don't know. If I were you, I'd be like, it's not happening. So I've been holding off on doing those when the interviews are too long, which recently they have been. So I feel like I haven't done this in a long time. Um, I have specifically two things I want to talk about, and I guess we'll see if they fit into one episode or if this is a two-part. You'll you'll actually know this by now, but as of right now, I do not know this because I go into these without any notes, and I just have a general idea of what I want to talk about, and we go from there. This is honestly, if I could go back and tell my second grade self, or it wasn't second grade, third grade, I think it was, third grade self that I'd be doing this, no one would be surprised because in my report card, the teacher wrote, if I sat Cameron next to a brick wall, she would talk to it. And she's not wrong. Um, you know, I love I love to talk, love to talk. So here I am in my bed talking to no one. Well, I'm talking to you guys, but it's hard. It's honestly one of the things that's hardest about a podcast is that I'm just speaking to what feels like no one, even though I know there are thousands of you that listen and I fucking love you for that. Um, I feel as if I'm just sitting here talking to myself, which I honestly do pretty often, especially now that Liam has been born because I just talk to him as if I'm talking to myself just to get him used to hearing people speak. And I'm pretty sure people think, I'm senile on the street because I'm walking around talking in a normal voice being like, okay, and this restaurant over here is where mommy and daddy did X, Y, Z and blah, blah, blah. And whatever. I don't know how we got on this tangent. Come on in, take a seat, pour a drink, pass one to me. Freckles, foodie and friends, talking about life sides and ends. Throw away your hesitations, have a filter conversation. Okay, the things I want to talk about, the first being, I've mentioned this in a story when Joe and I were on our baby moon, I'm not pregnant, it was belated, um, about how I feel so much more, I I say chill, but Joe's like, you can't call yourself chill. But you know what we're going to, because I honestly think I've gotten kind of chill, especially around food. And it's just been so eye-opening lately whenever I've gone on trips, whether they're, I mean, I haven't gone on, well, that was a big trip, but you know, any type of trip, even if it's just like a weekend drive somewhere different, that's not our home, 
how different I am mentally when it comes to food and exercise and control compared to how I was two years ago. And I want to walk through that journey because it's been really eye-opening. The second thing I want to talk about, and we'll see if we get to it in this episode, otherwise it might be another solo episode, time will tell, is the incessant need to comment on females' bodies, especially when pregnant or postpartum, and the impact that can have. And coming at it from an angle of experiencing this in the past and it leading to obsessive behaviors and not healthy behaviors and being cautious right now that it doesn't do the same. So let's sidebar that. Even though it's part of this conversation, kind of, I'm going to sidebar it until later or maybe another episode. So when we talk about trips and me being quote unquote chill, Let's go back a step to give like the precursor context of what we're comparing it to. So in, okay, I'm so bad with dates. I started Freckled Foodie in 2017, I think. 2017, I I believe, I'm not positive. But I know I quit my job in 2018 and I think it had been like a year. so, sorry, Lucy's FaceTiming me. Bitch, I'm podcasting. Let's see what she has to say. One second. I'm podcasting. Do you need me? Yeah, I need toilet paper. Okay. You can come up and get some. She needs toilet paper. <laughs> come up and get some. Love you. Bye. Um. Okay. Anyway, sorry about that. So... I started the account in, I think, 2017, maybe 2016. And at this phase of my life, and if you've heard this story, just bear with me. Um, I basically was dealing with a ton of digestive health issues. This was when I was at J.P. Morgan, post-college graduation. I was going through these elimination diets. And I'm really going to give you like a short version here if you want the longer ver- version. I'm, I have a podcast episode, I think, that's a solo episode on like my digestive health and gut, like, issues that dives into it more. I'll link it in the show notes. But basically, I was on all these elimination diets because we were trying to figure out what was triggering my gut issues. And there were many of gut issues. And with these elimination diets, it's it's really hard not to spiral into obsessive because you're constantly worried about what's in the food you're eating, whether it's going to trigger something in your stomach or some other type of flare up. And so then you're anxious going into eating, which that doesn't help. So that's where a lot of this, th- that's where it's all stemmed from. And then it became obsessive and it became this thing that I was trying to control and it was all I could think about what I was going to eat and whether it was going to trigger my stomach problems. And then I started to lose weight because I was obviously eating like a minimal amount of not serving size, but types of food. And there was no like processed food. I wasn't eating dairy or gluten or soy or like so many things. And I was cooking so much more because I wasn't going out to eat because I was concerned about what was in the food. So you understand where I'm going. It became really obsessive. And with that, I started to lose weight. And then everyone started to comment on my body. And I've always been thin. I hold thin privilege. That's something that always needs to be acknowledged in these types of conversations. And I never had body image issues, if we're being honest, until this time period. This is when it all started. Because A, 
in college, like we didn't have social media. If you're my generation, you understand. Like we were taking 30 photos on a fucking digital camera at a party. And then the next morning, hooking up our USB drive to our laptop and uploading every photo to an album without even looking through them, editing, anything. If I was in college in the time of Instagram and TikTok that it is today, of course, I would have had body image issues. I think it's really fucking hard not to. Um, However, I didn't because that wasn't something I was being exposed to 24-7. And I I do think that comes into play when you think about this timeline because that was also when social media became like really big. But anyway, I started to get all these compliments on my body And immediately my mind went to like, well, what was happening before? And meanwhile, let me be very clear. I was thin before. I had got to a point that was not healthy. And that's when I was getting the compliments. And I was so confused. And I remember it it got so far as my grandfather died. Rest in peace, the most wonderful soul in the world. And someone, a, a person close to me at the time actually said, like, grief looks good on you. You look so thin. I, like, or obsession with getting as small as possible, even when it's unhealthy, is so dark and twisted and awful. And our incessant need to comment on people's bodies, and obviously, clearly, the second subject I want to talk about is rooted in this and obviously correlated, but it, it just blows my mind. And so all that to say is I was becoming very obsessed with what I was eating and exercise. They came hand in hand for me. And it definitely veered on the side of orthorexia. When I would go away, and this is what I want to talk about, whether it was to my parents' house for the weekend or a night or whatever, or if I was going on a trip, I was obsessed with what was I going to eat. Obsessed. And I would pack all these snacks. Like if we were going away somewhere, I would be packing bars. I'd be packing trail mix. I'd be packing dried fruit. I'd be packing 10,000 things. Like it was insane. And I have all my stasher bags packed with all these snacks. And I think that it was A, my incessant need to control and like fear that there wouldn't be quote unquote healthy foods. I don't now label foods healthy or unhealthy, but back then I definitely did. And there was this fear of like, what if I get to said place and there's nothing healthy for me to eat? What am I going to do? As if I'm going to the fucking Sahara Desert without any food options in a 10 mile radius. These were, I was going to places that had plenty of fucking food, but if it wasn't up to my incessant, not incessant, if it wasn't up to my extremely critiqued rule of what was good and what was bad, then I didn't want it. And I also think at this period of time, like this was when the health food bloggers were becoming big. And I remember like so many of them, myself included, like I would share this. I mean, I didn't have a big platform, but I would still share it. But so many of them would be like, okay, I'm packing for my trip. And they'd have like 10,000 snacks packed in their bags. So it was lead- I was doing what I thought was needed to be healthy. And that was based on my own need to control, but also social media telling me that like, this is what we do now. We pack all these snacks because God forbid we don't have food. And I also feel like I was, I mean, I don't feel like I I was, 
I would research endlessly restaurants where I was going to eat when we were going. And I don't mean just like, oh, let me look at the menu to the restaurant we're going to tonight. I'm just curious what they have. Like, that's one thing. I mean, like, scoundering, is that a word? I don't know. What's the, maybe that's a word. But going through the internet of wherever we were going and finding the healthiest spots that had the juices and the smoothies and the salads and looking at the menus and deciding what I was going to get, like, 10 days in fucking advance as if I know what I want to eat in an hour. And it just became this obsessive thing. And I wasn't able to enjoy myself on these trips. Even if it were just like at the beach, I'd come prepared with all these things. And I'd tell my mom she had to stock up on Whole Foods on the granolas, the chips, the anything that like fit my standards versus what she was going to buy. So that was call it three, three ish years ago. Then I figured that I was like going through some shit and I started working on myself and I got into a better place. What I thought at the time was like, yeah, I don't have these thoughts. Like I'm free of them. Now that I really feel free of them, I can realize that I still, they were lingering, but they were not nearly as bad as they once were. But the thoughts then kind of veered into like, oh, you know, like I would definitely still think about it. It just wasn't as obsessive. And then I became pregnant. And then food just like honestly like wasn't of interest to me because I couldn't plan ahead. It was like everything I wanted changed by the minute. Stuff that I used to love, I hated. Stuff that I never craved, I needed. And so it became a waste of time. It just, it didn't make sense for me to do this type of thing. Because even if I said like to my mom, oh, can you make sure you have XYZ at the house and I get there, I wouldn't even want to look at it with a 10 foot pole. So that's when everything kind of shifted for me. And food became something that was literally just food. And because my aversions and my cravings were so odd and changed so much, I tried to relinquish, relinquish, hello, speech impediment, the control, because I realized I couldn't control it. And at this time, I also noticed how deep rooted diet culture was in me because I was second guessing, should I have that second bagel today? I haven't had a green in a day. Like, oh gosh, I wish I was craving vegetables. I haven't eaten vegetables. Like how many carbs can I have? And my mind was still stuck there, even though I could consciously notice it doesn't matter what the fuck I eat. I just have to eat something. Like I'm growing a human. I have to eat whatever sounds good and not worry about what it is. I just need food. And I started to finally come to terms with that, thank God. And I'm so, so glad that I had done all this work before getting pregnant because otherwise it would have been a wild fucking ride. But anyway, cue post-delivery. And this was when everything actually shifted for me and got me to a place where I am now. A mix of, well, no, I think honestly the main thing, yes, there's work that I've done and that obviously has to be acknowledged and growth and all of that. But the main thing is having a kid, and I felt this way with having Charlie, it just didn't go to this extent. Having a kid puts everything in perspective and you realize how much time you've wasted about shit that doesn't fucking matter. And you no longer have that time because all of your time or 99.9% of your time is now going to keeping this baby alive. And the 
0.01, no, 0.1%. I forget what percent I said, 99.9% goes to the baby. So the 0.1% that you have left over is going to the absolute necessity of surviving yourself. And that might look like brushing your teeth or taking a shower or sleeping, like the basic human needs and eating. And when it comes to eating, you don't have fucking time to concern yourself with what that is and obsess over what your next meal is or try to just, you don't have the brain space. Like you honestly do not have the space to worry about these types of things anymore. Or at least personally, I'm speaking from my experience. I obviously can't generalize to every single woman during postpartum. Oh, excuse me. I yawn so much during solo episodes and during therapy. And my therapist says it's because I'm like just releasing so much and it's tiring. Anyway, and I'm allowing myself to feel tired. I'm also laying in bed, so that definitely could be it. And it's like eight in the morning. Um, Anyway, you just don't have the brain space or the capacity to worry about these things. I didn't. And the second I kind of like tried that on almost, that's a term that my therapist uses all the time. I realized how incredible it was. And for me to not think about what the next meal was and just be like, I'll figure out what I want in the, like in the moment, I guess it's intuitive eating in a sense. Um, And obviously like having food on hand because I, I'm trying not to like order out every single meal because that shit's expensive in New York. So like having food on hand, but just eating in the moment when I'm hungry. If I'm hungry, have a snack. What is it? I don't know. Is it chips? Is it a fucking beef stick? Is it an apple? It's whatever I want in the moment. And then having lunch. Okay, what is lunch? I don't know. What's in the fridge? Oh yeah, that sounds good. All right, I'll eat that. Like, it's just so different than where I was. And for some people, I'm sure this is like, girlfriend, what? Like, this is just how most people live. And that's true. But there's a large portion of us that don't live this way. And it really, really was brought to my attention when... It was in August, so that's June, July, three months postpartum. And I had noticed this like right after delivery because Joe would be like, what do you want for dinner? And I would be like, honestly, whatever you put in front of me, I will eat. And he looked at me like, who are you? Because that would never happen. Oh, let's go back a sec. Joe and I used to get in fights. Like our number one fight would be, what do you want for dinner? And me obsessing when I, this was when I was at JP Morgan, obsessing over dinner being like, it had to be the perfect thing. It had to be this like huge experience. It had to be perfect. And there would be times where I couldn't decide and I, and I would want him to decide. But every time he'd say something, I'd be like, no, 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 I can't have that. No, I can't have that. No, I can't have that. I mean, I could, I just didn't want to. And it would be this fight of him being like, well, I can't choose dinner when you tell me everything you can't have. Like, you're so picky, it's impossible to choose for you. And he would get so frustrated. And then I'd get so frustrated with him. Like, why can't you just fucking choose what we're having for dinner? And it would be this huge fight. So now fast forward to postpartum. He's like, what do you want for dinner? And I'm like, literally put anything in front of me and I will eat it. And he's like, what is this wonderful new version of you that I'm getting to experience? And so now in August, three months postpartum, we are going to Geneva, New York for a family friend's wedding. In the past, as the version, the role I play in my family, I would have picked the Airbnb 
I would have booked it for all of us. I would have researched every single fucking restaurant in that town, every coffee shop, every grocery store. I would have created a grocery list of what we needed at the house. I would have picked every restaurant we were eating at. I would have looked at every single menu. I would have known what dish I was going to order. Like it sounds obsessive and extensive and that's because it fucking is. But that was the reality. And my family was just almost used to this version of me, I guess. So we're getting close to the wedding and my older sister takes the lead on like booking the hotel because she knew she we did it before I delivered and she was like, you're going to have too much to go uh, book the Airbnb. She was like, you're going to have too much going on, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, whatever. I shit you not, we drove to Geneva and I showed up and I was like, oh, this Airbnb is so cute. Maddie's like, did you not look at it? I'm like, no. I'm like, okay, Mad, so what are we doing for dinner tonight? She's like, oh, we're going to this restaurant. And I'm like, okay, great. Oh, wake up in the morning. What's going on today? What are we doing for breakfast? Okay, lunchtime rolls around. I'm hungry. What's what's the plan? Does anyone want anything? Like, it was such an eye-opening experience for me and for my family to observe because it was so different than what I had experienced in the past. And my sister, I had a conversation with my older sister and she was like, who, what has happened to you? Like, you just are kind of go with the flow now. And that was when I self-proclaimed myself as chill. And Joe still makes fun of me and is like, you really can't say that about yourself. But honestly, if you could see firsthand, like I can, the difference in these two versions of me, this bitch is so fucking chill because the other one was so intense and so obsessive and so controlling. So even though I care about things now and I have a preference, I guess, I am pretty chill. Like, And then we think about it of going even like our drives places, like even the drive to Geneva, like it's lunchtime and Joe's like, what do you want to do for lunch? Like the past me would have 100% looked at the route, done the time in my head. Okay, what time would it be lunchtime? Where are we on the map? Where can we eat around there? Like to that degree, I'm not fucking with you. And this drive, I'm just like, yeah, I don't fucking care. Like pull over here. This looks fine. I really don't mind. I'll eat whatever. And I think it also plays a role. Like it's changed how I am with my family when we go home. Even I'm recording this like right after Thanksgiving. Like I used to be the one that was making all the decisions and it was kind of like my way or the highway. I think my family would all agree with that. And it's really comforting and wonderful for me to be able to just sit back and enjoy the fucking ride instead of trying to control its every move. And I think that's the main difference and takeaway is that it's really nice to actually give up the control because it's also so tiring to be the one that is so obsessed with making every single move and forcing everyone on that route, whether they want to be on it or not. It's exhausting. And it's so much brain space wasted on something that's like really not important. There's so much other important stuff going on in the world that like obsessing over what your next meal is going to be is not worth it. And I also think I should have said this in the beginning, but this all comes from a place of privilege of like knowing that food will always be on the table. So like, let's acknowledge that everyone if you're in the same position Um, and that we have the ability to not obsess and the ability to not control, but some of us are just choosing not to. I think that obviously should be acknowledged. Um, But anyway, it's been really freaking nice. 
And the other thing I'm noticing is that like when I was so, I think, I forget if I talked with my friend about this or if she posted about it. I don't know. But back a few years ago in that obsessive state of mind, there was also this need or not need, but like I would almost overeat whatever I was eating because there was this fear that I wouldn't have access to quote unquote healthy food again. And so I would eat to a point of like way past my war- my mental warning of being full, way past because it was like, well, who knows if there's going to be something that I'm able quote unquote, because you're able to eat mostly anything. But who knows if there's something that I'm going to want to eat later. So I have to get all of it in now. And like, just my, I was constantly just like uncomfortably full and bloated. And it's so interesting now to see how my relationship has evolved when I'm actually eating, not just with what I'm eating, but when I am eating of being like, well, I am full or like, I'm still hungry. I want something else after this meal. It, it Like actually listening to my hunger cues. So that was the topic that I wanted to discuss of my relationship with food and travel. Oh, and the baby moon. I didn't even talk about that. But really, that was like another example where we showed up. And a few, the week before, Joe's like, so have we planned anything? And I was like, Joe, literally, all we have is what we did a month ago, the flight and the hotel. And that is it. And he's like, okay, okay, I guess this is what we're doing. And I'm like, I I don't have the mental space or the time to like obsess over what we're doing and to plan things. I just want to go somewhere and relax and enjoy myself. And they had like four or five restaurants on site. And it was so interesting to observe the shift in our dynamic of our relationship where Joe's like, I think we should figure out what we're doing for dinner tonight because some of these places might need reservations. Or like, can we talk about what we're doing for dinner tonight so we can decide what restaurant we want to go to for lunch so that we're not going to the same place? And I was like, yeah, yeah, we probably should do that. It was just so interesting to like watch how different it was and for me to actually enjoy and to relinquish some control because it also would cause issues between Joe and I where I was like, why am I always planning everything and doing everything? And he's like, because if I do it, you're not happy with it. Like you are so obsessed and need to do everything. And now we're in a place where I give up the control and we're equally making decisions and I'm not like berating him for a fucking choice he's made when instead I should have been like okay thanks so that's where we're at and it's honestly wonderful to live in this space and if any of you are in the space that I mentioned as my past I really hope that you're able to get to this place it takes a lot of work it takes time but practicing relinquishing control, that is so hard for me to say with my speech impediment, but practicing relinquishing control in small instances um, can be really helpful. And, you know, just try it on and see how it feels. Maybe try it on for a meal, try it on for a day, try it on for a week. You never know. It just takes time to get used to, but I promise you it's worth it. There's so much more happiness and joy and freedom on the other side. And I hope that you get there. On that other side, I think is also body neutrality. And full disclosure, this is now the second time I'm recording this because I recorded it right after I did the first half of this episode. And then I kind of sat with what I said for a few days and I was like, that just wasn't my best work. And I think I could have 
articulated things better and gotten more points across. And then I read an article that I loved and I was like, well, shit, I would have loved to discuss that. So here we are, we're doing it again. When it comes to, I guess, commenting on people's bodies, the point I want to get across is that even if you think you are complimenting a person, you have no idea what is going on in their brain space. And you have no idea what's happening behind the scenes and what your comment is going to be perceived as. And we can rewind it to the point I mentioned earlier in this episode of that phase of my life where I was definitely too thin and like on the side of orthorexia and obsessed with controlling everything I ate and my exercises and all of that. And at that time, that was the most I like the most compliments I had ever received on my body. And it obviously sparked this like fire within me. I mean, people were just adding fuel to this fire of, well, now I have to keep looking like this. Well, what did I look like before? Well, now I can't change anything because then the compliments are going to stop. And again, like while people thought they were complimenting me, they had no idea how detrimental it was on the back end of things. And then cue pregnancy. And honestly, I've never had more people comment on my body in my life. And strangers, random people, family members, friends, everyone felt like suddenly they could comment on my body. And I'm not necessarily blaming them because it's it's how we, society has trained us. Because now, honestly, I catch myself commenting on pregnant women's bodies to them. And I'm like, why the fuck did I just say that? Like, after going through what I've been through, not that I've been through anything like traumatic at all, but after going through the experience and getting so frustrated by how many people commented on my body, why am I then doing the exact thing? And it's because society has told us that it's acceptable and, oh, well, you're kind of complimenting them. But it just made me feel so uncomfortable when I was pregnant, all the comments. And they also were so deeply rooted in diet culture. And I've had a hard time figuring out how to approach this topic when it comes to pregnancy and postpartum because I'm coming from a position of I gained the the amount of weight I gained was on the lower side of the scale of what is like suggested or expected. Um, and then I also lost the weight postpartum without actually like actively doing things, I I do want to say I think so much of this is genetics. And that's why I'm not coming on here and telling anyone what to do because I think it's really just genetics, honestly. But I also think that it almost sparked more comments from people that then made me more uncomfortable. So the comments when I was pregnant were things that people thought were compliments, but oh my God, you don't even look pregnant from behind. Oh my God, how much weight have you gained? Like, why is that something that you felt comfortable asking me, stranger or friend, anyone? Um, Can I touch your belly? Oh my God, you, or like, whoa, you look huge. Like it, it totally varied. But the thing that I'm having a hard time with postpartum is again, it feels like people are tracking me. And I want to separate this conversation into two parts because the first part is, people commenting on my postpartum body in a like tracking way where it's like, wow, you, how long did it take? Wow. You look, you look smaller than you did last week. Oh, wow. You've, you've thinned out since the last time I saw you. Like, so now you're just acknowledging that you've been tracking what I look like and what my weight is. That makes me uncomfortable. It also makes me feel like I'm on display in a sense, which I, I don't enjoy whatsoever. Um, and then there's the comment that is, you don't even look like you had a baby. 
And that's the one that really pisses me off because that undermines every single fucking thing my body just did. And I get that the person saying that thinks it's a compliment because diet culture has taught us that we're supposed to just bounce back and what a incredible feat that is when it's not. Like that shouldn't be the thing that's celebrated. It should be celebrated that you just grew a human and birthed a child and have kept that child alive. Um, but for some reason, more people are more excited and amazed by the fact that I've lost weight rather than the fact that I actually created a human. And that's what terrifies me and really frustrates me. And this Glamour article that I'll link in the show notes it comes from a different angle because it's not talking about pregnancy or postpartum, but it says like the title is How to Undermine a Woman's Success, Talk About Her Body. And it talks all the, it talks about like celebrities, whether it be Adele, Jennifer Hudson, um, why Halsey, who like gave birth. And so I guess it does touch on pregnancy, but it's just like, these women are doing incredible things and all the headlines are focusing on is their weight. And that's what pisses me off. And that's why I find that this is relatable to what I'm saying because I just did the coolest thing in the world. And the thing that people are commenting and celebrating is that I lost weight. And I don't get that. It really frustrates me. And it honestly, personally feels like you're undermining everything my body just went through because my body does not look the same that it did. Things have changed and those are permanent changes. And I actually like those permanent changes because it reminds me of how fucking incredible my body is and how I created my favorite human ever. Like that is mind blowing to me. I will never get over that. And I know some people are like, get over it. People get pregnant all the time. Like, no, I will never get over that ever. And by saying comments like that, it just feels like that goes completely unacknowledged. Um, and that the biggest feat and thing to be celebrated is that I lost weight and it's not. The second half of this, and I, I just want to say like, yes, this is this goes for strangers on the internet, tons, tons, especially on TikTok, um, but also people I'm close with. And, you know, my mom, love her to fucking death. She's the best, but she grew up in a very diet culture focused era. She grew up with a very critical image obsessed mother, Um she has her own, my mom has her own demons from all of that, but she makes plenty of comments about my body. And I've had to be like, I, I really would like you to stop because I know you think you're complimenting me, but it actually is making me wildly uncomfortable. And you have, you have to tell people that. Obviously, like there are strangers on the internet who I'm never going to see. And I can say like a PSA, please stop coming to my body. But people who are close to me in my life, I'm going to say that to them because I really dislike it. And I think that the most important part of this, going back to what I said in the beginning of this section, and also the second point I want to hammer home is you really don't know what people are going through on the other side of things and internally. And this is something that I have been struggling with. And I just talked with my therapist about this. I definitely was in a place where all these compliments were adding fuel to my fire a few years ago. And I, it, they were like a drug to me and I couldn't get enough. Postpartum, I have lost the weight I gained during pregnancy. And I, this is something I struggle with talking about because maybe women can relate, maybe women can, and it sparks a whole lot of emotions. And I think that there's this whole conversation can get people heated. But I also feel that I have somehow, without 
it's not like I've put effort into this happening, but I almost feel like I've lost more weight than I would like. And I don't think I look my best, but I also, when I'm getting all these compliments, like there is that small voice in my head from four years ago that's like, well, what did I look like before? Well, now I have to stay like this. Oh my gosh. Like that deep diet culture claw that's still in me, that voice gets louder and louder with every compliment. And for the sake of my mental health, my sanity, my relationship with my body, I don't want that voice to get any louder. And every time people compliment me, it's giving it gas, like it's it's fueling this fire, it's giving it gasoline. And I want that fire out. So that's why personally, I would love the remarks to stop because I don't want this to become something. I said to my therapist, I just want to be fucking neutral with my body. Like I, I just, I don't want to think about it. And the constant commentary does not help with that because it puts it at the forefront. It puts something that I don't want to focus on at the forefront of conversation. And then I'm just stuck there replaying the comments, thinking about things in my head, hearing a voice get louder that I want to shut up. And this all to be said again, your words have a much larger impact on other people than you might think. And we do have to be cautious with what we're saying to people. Also, our image, our bodies, our weight, our gene size are the least interesting things about us. And if we would focus more on complimenting people for things that they're doing, thoughts that they have, accomplishments outside of body image, like that sparks a much more deep and educational and interesting conversation. Because the diet you're on, the amount of weight you've lost, or how skinny you are is not interesting whatsoever. Um, I don't know. Those are my two cents. I also just feel like, yeah, I, I I don't think I have more to say on that. It's just I really wish that we would stop commenting on people's bodies, whether it be compliments or negative comments about weight gain. Like someone could have gained weight and been and be the happiest version of themselves they've ever been. So why the fuck would you tell them something negative when they're mentally in the best place they've ever been. Who the hell cares how much they weigh? Who the, hell, who the hell cares that they gained weight? If they are happy and mentally in a great place, that's all that should matter to you if you care about that person. So I hope this resonated or made sense or was insightful or eye-opening to anyone. I would love to hear your guys' thoughts on this because I know it's a topic that a lot of people have many of opinions on. Um, Feel free to DM, email, whatever you want to do. If you liked this episode, feel free to share it on your Instagram stories, share it with a friend, um, rate, review. Obviously, I love reading the kind reviews, although I will say I literally was in such an emotionally fragile place that I had to have um, one of my team members like go through the reviews and send them to me and then like nicely word any criticism and then just not tell me about any ones that are just like blatantly the person hates me and I can't do anything right anyway because like I'll never change that person's opinion because I was just too fragile to go through them and it caused me so much anxiety. So if you want Hannah to send me your kind review, uh, leave it on iTunes, but also make sure you are subscribed so that way the show will auto-download on your phone or whatever device you are listening to this podcast. If you've made it this far to listening to me ramble, I love you so much. I'm so appreciative to have you in the Freckled Foodie family and I will be back with you on Friday with an interview. 
Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. I love doing this more than anything in the world. If you could be so kind as to rate and or review the show, share a screenshot on your Instagram story, whatever you feel like doing to show some love, I would really appreciate it. Obviously follow at Pod on Instagram and me at Freckled Foodie for more content. Thank you for being a part of the FF fam and I hope you have a wonderful day.